Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Sports Rivals after taking a one-week break because one of us, that would be me, I'm Monty, that's Ernie, had to travel to Phoenix for a floral convention. Those of you know that my full-time gig is at Watanabe Floral. I was gone for a week and a half, so we are back to talk the world of sports, Ernie. But first, I think it's going to be all football, even if the baseball season is coming to a close. But there's just too much football to talk about. I don't know even know about baseball. Well, the Dodgers clinched the National League West for the 10th time in 11 years uh, with a sweep of Seattle. But let's start first with history last night in Kahuku. Now, over the last two weeks, Ernie, Kahuku traveled to the mainland last week to take on number one Matter Day, and it got ugly quick. I mean, Matter Day really flexed their muscles, showing why they're the number one team in the nation with a 55-8 victory. Kahuku flies back home, and last night they played the defending national champion, the current number three ranked team in the nation in St. John Bosco, also of California. And lo and behold, Kahuku jumps out to a big lead on a pick six. They're up 22-6. They fall behind 23-22 in the fourth quarter. A couple of questionable calls, especially if you ask St. John Bosco at the end. Extended drives. Kahuku scores with about 10-15 seconds left. Hang on for the 30-23 victory, setting off a party in Kahuku, unlike seen since Iom Tongi won American Idol. It was complete pandemonium on the, Kahu- uh, on the Kahuku shores last night. So, Kahuku showing that they belong with the nation's best. Good for them. Good for them. I wonder how those rankings, high school rankings, are actually uh, done. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they were number number one last year and number three this year. I wonder how that, uh, how that number three uh, ranking actually played into their success last year. Well, I'm sure it's part of it um, because you graduate players. That's probably why they started off a little bit lower uh, this year at, at number three. But their team was packed with Division One prospects. Their one linebacker had 40 scholarship offers. Wow. A number of them are going. In fact, I would say the majority of the team is going up onto the Division One level. You could tell that there was a difference in size. Kahuku was certainly smaller than St. John Bosco. Um, but from a speed perspective, I think we did okay. I think what really showed is that the physicality, uh, Kahuku was able to, to remain just as physical as St. John Bosco. I think the only drawback for Kahuku, even with Tungabailoa Amosa coming over from Kapole, running in the touchdown to give them the victory, is Kahuku is a 
Marcus Mariota, uh, Mackenzie Milton, Tua Tungavailoa type quarterback away from being a top five national team. Because in the trenches, um, they are solid, but you just don't have that same level of quarterback play as you see at all of these other top powerhouse schools. Yeah, and you, you just mentioned two St. Louis guys and a Mililani guy. I mean, I don't know really... Uh, Koku is not really known for that. They're more known for their defense, producing offensive linemen, defensive linemen, as we know in the NFL. And running the ball. And running the ball. And running the ball. Yeah, they're not known for the finesse position, skill positions, if you can call that. But, you know, I always thought for for a public school, all these top schools, they're private schools. They can produce, they can bring in people from wherever, you know. I mean, hundreds of miles away. Where Kahuku, I mean, I mean, just being on the island of Oahu, they are already limited with a population of barely a million. On this, I mean, even if they were, even if the private schools here have a hard time competing against private schools. On I mean, a level on a public school. So Kahuku, what you've done, you know, based upon your limitations, I mean. Hats off. Yeah, congratulations to the Kahuku Red Raiders and all of you in Kahuku that were celebrating into the wee hours last night. Now, also celebrating, and the last thing that I want to mention in high school football, Friday night in Eva Beach, Ernie's alma mater, Campbell, falls behind 16-0 to Punahou, storms back and wins 38-23, setting off a fireworks show like it was New Year's Eve. Down in Eva Beach, the whole field covered with smoke from the fireworks. Uh, Campbell, big, big victory over Punahou. I think Campbell moves up into the number two slot right behind Kahuku. Um, wow, Ernie, your Sabres with the big win over the Buff and Blue. Yeah, because it wasn't like that when I was when I was attending school over there. I mean, it was uh, rough times. Let's just say we would lose all our players too. <laughs> a once of a once power YNI team and the St. Louis's of the world, back fives of the world back then then. But now they're keeping their own, which show really shows the community of Eva, Eva Beach produces a whole lot of talent. Tua being one of them. Yeah, I mean, Saga Politelli, who was the quarterback at Punahou for the last three years, transferred to Campbell. Now some would say, what? You leave Punahou to go to Campbell? Well, whatever the reason he did that, he must have been really excited Friday night, leading his Sabres to a 50-point victory over Punahou. I I can give you 21,000 reasons why. (laughs) (laughs) It's 31,000, but I'm guessing the guy must have been on a scholarship. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion about people giving scholarships to high school athletes. But let's transition, Ernie, to the not-so-exciting news. Hawaii traveled to Eugene, Oregon as 38-point underdogs and failed to cover the spread. I mean, Ernie, it was a it was a, de- a demolition. There was no ways around that. Oregon just completely dominated Hawaii, jumping out to a 34-3 lead, scoring virtually at will until they took the, the pedal off the metal, went to three quarterbacks that got a chance to play. Hawaii scores late to, to get at least a touchdown there, 55-10, to 10, and I don't believe it was as close as that. So the Warriors fall 
to one and three. So going back to preseason, that's kind of where I thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd lose at Vanderbilt. I thought um, they'd lose to Stanford, although I was hopeful that they may win. I thought they'd beat Albany, and even with Albany, they struggled. It was yeah, a tie did. at halftime before they eventually won, and we we all expected them to lose to Oregon. I, we all hoped that it would be a better performance, but they're kind of right where I expected them to be at one and three. My only concern is, are they in good physical condition after all of these Power Five type schools? to get into conference play. They lost their best defender towards ACL against Albany. He's out for the year. Um, so I'm still hopeful. They're not, it's, I think it's disappointing considering the Vanderbilt game, what we thought would happen, but they're right where I thought they'd be, but a little bit more on the downside momentum-wise to me than we were coming off the Vandy game. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you look at last year's game, the Vandy game was worse than this Oregon game, I think it was 62, I can't remember, I thought it was like a double, uh, 66, 66 yeah. to, to something, so, you know, you look at that, that perspective, uh, it, it just seems to me that this Rainbow's, uh Warriors squad starts off slow, uh, I mean, they did have, I mean, two long travel dates, I mean, not that Oregon is that far, but when you have to go to the East Coast, come back, Fly, uh, recovered and fly back into Oregon in a matter of within a month. And Oregon now, uh, what do you call that? 3 and 0. Uh, what are they? Last rank 13, they probably move up in rankings as a top 10 football team out there. Uh, I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, let's just say this. I'm, I, I might come off as a hater. Uh, by saying this as far as the run and shoot is concerned. I think the purpose of running the run and shoot according to, at least when June Jones ran it, was that it, in his eyes, it evened the playing field uh, because you don't have that talent. There's a talent disparity between, you know, how the University of Hawaii can recruit versus, you know, a power five conference. And the run and shoot was supposed to mitigate some of that talent disparity. But I think at this point, you know, I, I I think they figured out how to combat. It's it's, it's nothing new. Before uh, way back when June what June Jones was running it, uh, it was uh, it was still a kind of a unique yeah, offense. Exactly. Now everybody, everybody has a variation yeah. of the running shoot they, to they, some they, degree. Yeah, and and you can you can easily scheme against it. So th- that that reasoning behind it. Uh, you know, there's there's not too much advantage of it right now. It all, it basically comes down to who has the better players. And in this case, as we can see, Oregon, even going down to their third string, has the better players. Oh, definitely. Oregon definitely has the better players. And I still think that, that UH has a ways to go in the trenches because the run and shoot works well when you can protect the quarterback. And he's constantly running for his life. He was running for his life against Stanford. He was running for his life against Oregon. And Schrager is just flat out not good enough to be able to operate under that much duress against these kinds of teams. Now, it'll be interesting to see when the man coming from Bishop Gorman next year, who guaranteed to me wins the starting job as a freshman, what kind of excitement and what kind of atmosphere can he create? Next week's going to be a big game in terms of momentum, in terms of the, the, the public. They come home to play against New Mexico State. That, to me, is a must-win game. It's not a conference game, but if you then lose to New Mexico, 
Mexico State and fall to one and four and then have to go to UNLV, who's playing really well right now, you risk going one and five and then the fans just losing their enthusiasm. And right now we have momentum. Timmy in the offseason did a great job recruiting stud local players staying home, but nothing changes that momentum like piling up losses. Yeah. So I mean, they have to win. This weekend against the New Mexico State Aggies is a must win to me for their own confidence and their own uh, positivity moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think you still, you still got a ways to go in regards to... Uh, you know, uh, how this works into the play of uh, Timmy recruiting, you know, next year's next year's class. Uh, I think next year's class, uh, you know, it always falls two years behind, like you said, the freshman uh, incoming that he recruited this year won't, really won't be prevalent until next year's. So uh, there's a ways to go in regards to that. We don't know, we all this is Timmy's, what was it? Second, 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 second season, the really first full year building. I still believe in Timmy. I just know that it's human nature to be really excited. And when things get bad, you can become uh, apoplectic and just not quite as interested. And I think that is we're in danger of that happening if we lose a home game to the New Mexico State Aggies. But let's transition again. That is Ernie. I'm Monty. We are the sports rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We are proud to be a part of them. And right now in the fall, this is where you want to tune in to 760 AM and 95.1 FM on your dial. They have USC football, Dallas Cowboy football. We're going to talk Dallas Cowboys in a little bit. They no longer have Shohei because he shut the down with the Angels, but they carry that and all your OIA sports. But Ernie, let's talk about the NFL. We're going to focus more on week two. We did not have a show last week as well, so we'll talk a little bit. But for me, Ernie, the big story of the first two weeks is the heartbreaking situation with Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles on the fourth play from scrimmage. A whole off-season of excitement, of expectation, of the New York Jets. They are flat-out cursed. Um, they found a way to still beat Buffalo that day. But I think behind Zach Wilson, there is no way that they're going to be able to have anywhere near the season that they hope to have with Aaron Rodgers. No. I just feel badly yeah. for the New York Jets and their faithful. Yeah, I mean, watching the New York Jets play today, uh, I mean, it's a crapshoot. I mean, Zach Wilson is an exciting quarterback, but with that comes with a lot of risk. He plays he plays like a gunslinger. He did that at BYU. He was successful like that at BYU, but this is the NFL. The game is faster. The guys are bigger. The guys are stronger. You don't have the success, success rate as you did, you know, as you did in college, and and you saw it today. I mean, the Jets just going to keep it up. That defense, uh, I guess, just got tired. You know, they have very good young defenders and everything. But yeah, if you're a New York Jets fan, uh, you gotta be you gotta be shaking your head right now on what could have been. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just heartbreaking for, for the Jets who haven't been relevant since Joe Namath in 1969. And there was so much expectation. Um, and then who knows? Maybe they can pull it off. Maybe Zach Wilson develops. Um, but I find that to be really, really, really uh, hard to think that that's going to happen. But those Dallas Cowboys earning 40-0 to last week over the Giants, 
30 to 10 over the Jets. They destroyed the whole state of New York um, to a tune of 70 to 10. They clearly look like the most dominant team after the first two weeks to me. Defensively is where they're wreaking complete havoc. Two special team defensive touchdowns last week, three interceptions this week, seven sacks last week, all over Zach Wilson this week. They're playing with a vengeance on the defensive side of the ball, and they're not turning the ball over. Dak no. is not turning the ball over yet. Dallas is looking really, really good so far. Yeah, and, and, and you know that's that's why I thought that's why I thought uh, going into the season when we had a, we had, when we had a preseason show, I said, don't be surprised if Dallas wins that division. And it's it's, it's you know it's good to, to see that the, to me the, that is coming to fruition. To me, they are the most balanced team in that division. Like I said. I, I, I'm still not impressed with Dak Prescott as being that you know that uh, you know ride my uh, ride my shoulders. I'll take you to championship, but he plays an integral part of that team. When he does well, that whole team does well. They've already got a good defense. Pollard and that running game can produce on that side, and they've got the weapons on offense to produce. And like you said. Uh, hitting on all cylinders. I'd like to see, I mean, before I go way out on the bandwagon as far as them being a real contender for the Super Bowl, I'd like to wait, a, you know, several weeks to see how this thing plays out. Again, a lot of injuries can happen. We'll see what happens with that. But right now, you know, uh, all arrows are pointing up. Now, one team that Ernie and I have a distaste for, at least over the first two weeks, is one San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco goes to Pittsburgh last week, lays the wood to the Steelers 30-7. to They go to L.A. this week. They play my Rams. Um, they beat the Rams 30-23. to So I want to talk a little bit first about my Rams so far because your Steelers are playing tomorrow or tonight for those of you that are going to be listening on Monday. Um, but for my Rams, I was pleasantly surprised. They went up to Seattle. They have a history of playing well in Seattle, but I didn't expect them to play that well. They scored in their last five possessions, 30 to 13 victory at Seattle. They controlled the game. They had a ton of first downs. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 334 yards. And Puka, Puka, Nakua. Yeah, Nakua. Nakua. 10 catches last week, 15 more catches this week, an NFL record, 25 catches through two games, and Tutu Atwell. The Tutu Atwell I've been dreading the last two years, not taking Creed Humphrey and taking him. He goes for 119 yards last week, comes back with another solid game today. I am really pleasantly surprised at the start for the Rams. I thought they'd be 0-2 for sure. They are 1-1. They did lose to the 49ers, but they played so much better than I expected. Their offensive line last last week against Seattle, no sacks, only two hits on Matthew Stafford. This week, no sacks until Joe Nopum gets hurt uh, in the third quarter. I think there's one sack allowed and a few quarterback hits against that vaunted San Francisco 49er defense. The offensive line is so much better than it was last year. Um, problems with Cam Akers. They look like they're going to get rid of him again. He was not active today. Yeah, they look like they want to trade him. Kyron Williams has played well through the first two games. So I am pleasantly surprised. 
I, don't, I still have low expectations for the season because they don't have a lot of depth, and I think they're going to wear down over time. Um, but I'm hopeful for the future with these young guys and $80 million in cap space next year. I think we're going to be back in uh, next year. I think yeah. we'll be back. Soon, sooner than later. I mean, and everybody knows as far as... Uh, Puka is concerned. I mean, there. I mean, it would like you said when we were talking a little bit before the show off the air. There's no way he's going to uh, maintain this this pace. I mean, so it's it's an unreal pace. Two hundred. One of the twelve catches for twenty two hundred yards. Yeah, that. There's no way he's going to do. I mean, he's already. I can guarantee you. Next year's uh, next next week's opponent is already game planning for him. I mean, uh, it, it's not going to happen. But what it does show is that, you know, like you said, next year when they get their, uh, when they get caught back, that's going to be a pretty good tandem, one that can really stretch, and it looks like Puka uh, uh, can be the possession receiver, or at least a reliable hand, uh, you know, for them. And then you got... Uh, Tutu's playing well, too. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Kyrie and Williams looks good, and the offensive line looks good. So... Thankful for the Rams start one and one and looking significantly better than they did in the hopeless preseason that they had uh, when they looked just as bad as Hawaii did against Oregon <laughs> this, this past weekend. So tell me a little bit about the Steelers' first game. Um, I, I know it was a week ago. You're probably over that uh, so far, but so much expectation. Some Steeler fans you were alluding to thinking they were going to go 17 and 0. You picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and then Week One came. What are you thinking after that first game? I know much more will be known after tomorrow night's game against Cleveland, which I think they're going to bounce back. But what do you think about the Steelers? I mean, the only positive thing that I can think of was that Watt did better than Bosa. <laughs> I mean, that's the only positive thing. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, the defense let down. Kenny Pickett let down big time. That's probably going to be the worst game I've seen him play, you know, uh, as a Steeler in his young career. I mean, this is only his... Uh, this is what he has less than 15 starts. I think he started, he became a starter in week five of last year. So, uh, still growing pains that have to happen, but still, if Kenny Pickett has a bad game, uh, it's evident that the Steelers' offense cannot produce because then they become one dimensional, and I don't think Najee Harris is the type of running back uh, <clears throat> that can take the, the focus of the defense. And, you know, him carrying that, them on the shoulder. The defense and the special teams would have to have amazing games in order for that to happen. Now, fortunately, last year, when they started out at two and, was it two seven. and six? Yeah, two and six, two and seven, <clears throat> that Kenny Pickett went on a run. Okay, so I'm under the impression that having that experience from last year, you know, uh, him having the terrific preseason that he did, that this just brought him down to a more even playing field, and that kind of evens out. Because even for Mika, I mean, you didn't hear Mika's name uh, the previous week, uh, and he's a big part of that defense. Uh, Cameron Hayward got hurt. The only one who did well was... Uh, T.J. Watt, three sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. To me, he should have had two fumble recoveries uh, in that game, but so be it. I mean, it's 30 to seven. I think there were a couple of plays where actually the San Francisco 49ers got lucky. I really think Brock Perry should have been picked out, if not once, maybe twice in that game, but by some, I, I mean, 
mean, it's got it's got to be part skill. You put your you put your players in the right positions to make perfect plays and be big. Uh, but uh, like I said, uh, I don't think the Steelers are as bad as that thirty to seven loss and it showed today against the Rams. And I told you off the air, don't be surprised. I thought that game was going to be closer than. Uh, I guess most people anticipate. I thought the Rams were gonna, you know, have a chance to cover that spread, and lo, lo and behold, look, look what happened today. Uh, the the 49ers are good. I don't think they're unbeatable. Let's just say that. I'd be surprised if they get right right now. I think if if Vegas is line on the 49ers wins loss right now, I would say it would be like 13 and a half. I don't think they're I don't think they're a 13 win team. I really don't. I think right now, uh, you could probably get one team maybe go 13. I don't think it's going to be San Francisco 49ers. But we'll have to see. Again, it's, just, it's one game into the season. For most of the other teams, it's two games into the season. I don't think you really show your true colors until after week three and four. And let's see. I'll judge, be a judge at that point. I picked them to, go, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Nothing tells me that that still can't happen. But it does set me back in regards to being hopeful that it happens. Yeah, so let's just cover real quickly through through two weeks where we stand right now. Miami just knocked off the New England Patriots. They go to 2-0. Very important 2-0 for them because they go to Los Angeles and knock off the Chargers in week one. To Foxborough. So they're 2-0 without playing a home game yet. We talked about the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Jets who are 1-1. One one. Buffalo bounces back from that week one loss to the Jets by blowing out the Raiders today. And then the New England Patriots at 0-2. Granted, they had home losses to the 2-0 Eagles and the 2-0 uh, Miami Dolphins. But still, losing your first two games at home is not a really good situation going forward. In the AFC North, I was surprised by Baltimore's win today in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, a shocking 0-2 for me. I have them going to the Super Bowl. If that's going to happen, uh, and there seems to be chinks in Joe Burrow's calf, he tweaked it again today. If he's not going to be healthy, they have no shot. But the Ravens 2-0, the Bengals 0-2, Cleveland and Pittsburgh play tomorrow. I believe it's going to be 1-1 for both of them after tomorrow night. We shall see. See in the AFC South, Ernie, it's the Jags at one and one, the Colts and the Titans at one and one after the Colts beat the Texans today and the Titans beat the Chargers and then the Texans who through two weeks look like they are close to the worst team in the NFL, at least to this point. They're at 0-2. And then in the AFC West, Ernie, Kansas City loses week one to Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, Raiders are 1-1. and And then the Chargers and the Broncos are both 0-2. I think that Brandon Staley is going to be fired after the first four games if they don't win their, their next two games. Oh, I, I can tell because you that. Because yeah. he is, it's a coaching mismatch for whatever reason. They have way too much talent to continue losing. Now, they lost a tight one to Tua, who went for 460 yards last week. They lost a tight one in overtime today to the Titans, but they find ways to lose. And oftentimes, when you're finding ways to continually lose, that tends to reflect on coaching. Um, with the Broncos, I'm, I'm perplexed. They, they, they put up 33 points today, including a miracle at the end, and still lose, giving up 35 points to the Commanders. 
what is going on in Denver? Oh, and two, and it's not Russell Wilson's fault. It was Your a defense. Thoughts. It was a defense. Well, first of all, let me start with the Chargers. I agree with you 110%. The Chargers do find ways to lose. Today, they have a tight. If you watched the first quarter and a half, you would have, and, and I told you that the Chargers were going to lose, you would have laughed. This looked like it was going to be a runaway blowout. I mean, uh, Tannehill was running for his life. I think Chargers got him three times in that quarter and a half. He was sacked. Chargers just couldn't capitalize. They just kept on making. They were making. They were uh, making wrong plays at the wrong time, causing stupid penalties at the wrong time. And if you saw the Tennessee Titans, they did the exact opposite. They were more efficient in regards to their offense, more efficient in regards to the defense. I still thought the Chargers overall were the better team. If you watch, I mean, if, I'm not a fan of either team. So as a non-biased uh, watcher in that game, I mean, the Chargers were the better team. But the outcome at the end, Chargers lose. And I agree with you. If they start out 0-4, that needs to be a coaching change. In regards to the Broncos-Commanders game, ah, I just feel for the Broncos. I really thought that two-point conversion... Well, it well, should have been a passing interference, <sighs> but then they would have to capitalize. But they were up 21 to 3. Zero. Oh, yeah, 3. And then they let the commanders storm back and well ahead behind Sam Howell and, uh, and Brian Robinson. They were always, last year they had one of the best defenses, Russell Wilson, and the offense really struggled. Now, the offense plays decently, plays fairly well, and the defense gives up 35 to the commanders. What's going on? I have no idea. I mean, Sean Payton, I thought Sean Payton would make a difference, in, and I still think it, I mean, this is only the second game. We'll see how that fares. I still believe that the Denver Broncos are the second best team in that division. I, I don't believe in the Raiders. I don't believe, obviously, I don't believe in the Chargers at this point in time. I think their only competition is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Russell Wilson does look like, you know, he has the, he's, he's more closer to the Russell Wilson of, in the Seattle days than he was to the Russell Wilson of last year. So I think that there's problems in that. I, you got to believe that that defense is still good. I mean, you just got to believe that. And it's just an anomaly of one game. But again, like the Patriots, Ernie, when you lose two home games. Yeah. And it's even worse for the Broncos because I think they were favorites in both of these games. The Patriots were underdogs in both of their home losses, but the Broncos were favorite and still lost both. That's that's got got to be a very disappointing start for Sean Payton. Now in the NFC, we talked about the Cowboys. They're two and zero. The Eagles, they're also two and zero after Thursday night victory over the Vikings. Uh, the Commanders are two and zero, surprising to me. And the Giants down 21, 20 to zero and twenty eight seven in the third come all the way back to knock off Arizona thirty one twenty eight. They do lose Saquon Barkley at the end of the game to what appears to be a bad ankle sprain, um, but they are at one and one. In the north, the Packers jump out to a pretty big lead over Atlanta. Atlanta comes back, knocks off the Packers. The Packers are at 1-1. One one. The Lions in a shootout with Seattle. They're at 1-1. One one. Minnesota, after winning 13 games last year, start the year 0-2 this year. And the Bears at 0-2. It does not look like Justin Fields and that offense is going to be any better than they were 
last, last year, year, which is really disappointing. If you're a Chicago Bears fan, i.e. Kule, who had high expectations for her Bears this year. And then the Falcons and Bucks, 2-0 already. The Falcons with two home victories. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, is surprising people. But here's my thought on Tampa Bay. They lost Tom Brady. They lost Leonard Fournette. But they have everybody else there. So it's not like the team was a disaster. And they're getting good play out of Baker Mayfield so far. And they're 2-0. And, and I don't see why they're not going to be a factor in that division. And then, of course, tomorrow we're going to see the Saints and the Panthers um, over there. The Saints 1-0, Panthers 0-1. And we talked about the West. 49ers at 2-0, the Rams and Seahawks at 1-1, and the Cardinals even if the Cardinals were expected to be one of the worst teams along with the Texans, they have battled and played really well in each of the first two games, giving the Commanders all they could handle last week. And we just talked about it. They were up 28-7 on the Giants and found a way to lose. So maybe the Cardinals are not quite as bad as expected. So that's kind of where we are after the first two weeks. So gang, as we've done for the last three years, we're going to give you our top five teams after week two. Okay, so Ernie, you ready with your top five? Uh, yeah, as ready as I'm, as I'm going to be. I mean, I don't think I'm going to go based on record at this point in time. Like I said, it's still early in the season. Mm -hmm. You know, you ha everybody comes out with their preseason ranking. I don't think you can put, uh, uh, like, uh, let's just say Minnesota. Minnesota at 0-2. I don't think you can put, really put them at the bottom part of the league. I still think they're uh, at, top, at least at the top, the top half of the league. Uh, at the same time, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be at 2-0, going to be on the top third of the teams. Well, I think we all agree that the top two teams are going to be the 49ers and the Rams. But after that, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I have to say that because that's never coming out of my mouth this season. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, let me just start off. I think it would be easier for me to start at number one. And right now, um, you know, just based upon play, I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys over that number one. <laughs> I wouldn't have put them there in preseason. But right now, just based upon what I've seen in the first two weeks, like I said, very balanced offense, very balanced defense. Uh, the fashion that they're winning, 70 points in the first two games. 10 points. 10 points allowed in the first two games. The Spurs are 16 net points in the first two games. Uh, how can you not put them at number one? Number two, uh, this is going to be, uh, to me, a little, bit of, a little bit of a surprise to some people, but not in my eyes. I like the Miami Dolphins. I really, and, you know, their point disparity is 60 points for 51 points against. But their win today against a Bill Belichick team, even though Tua has had success in the past, really shows me that they find ways to win. And today, they had, you know, in my opinion, uh, really opened the door for New England to actually take that game, but they still won in the fashion they did uh, on that long field goal attempt. I don't think that was the right play call at that particular point in time. Shortening the field with two minutes to play, giving a Bill Belichick team uh, an open door to you know, at least tie the game, if not go for two-point conversion and win the game. They still pull it off. I really like the way that they're trending. I like Miami Dolphins at number two. 
like the Baltimore Ravens at number three at this particular point in time. Just based upon the fact that they, to me, they play in one of the better divisions. Even though Pittsburgh got shellacked and Cincinnati is struggling right now, I think they're one of the more stronger uh, teams and uh, divisions in the, in the NFL. From there, like the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they have one loss, I have them at number four. <laughs> number five, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I like them in the preseason. To me, they're showing their kinks. I don't think, I just don't think they made any mistakes so far. And that's the way they play. They, they wait for you to make mistakes, and they, and they don't make mistakes because they're a run-oriented team. I, I, I would agree with you uh, on, on the Eagles. So let me, let me get to mine because there's one difference. Like I have a team in here that you don't, uh, but most of it is the same. For me, the best team in the NFL is the San Francisco 49ers. They go to Pittsburgh, uh, and I don't believe Pittsburgh is as bad, which is why I think tomorrow is a good bet. If you struggle this weekend, take Pittsburgh tomorrow plus the points. I really like them to bounce back. I think they're better than they showed last week. I just think the 49ers are really that good. As much as I love my Rams, I told Ernie off the air, I'm watching that game and I'm just thinking the talent disparity between the 49ers and the Rams is so immense. You're talking about Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittles, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Hall of Famers, Brock Purdy, who has been, he's Mr. Irrelevant, but one thing about him, he does not turn the ball over, he makes good decisions. Defensively, the defensive player of the year, you have Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson has four sacks. You have the best middle linebacker in the NFL in Fred Werner. You have Dre Greenlaw. You have Hafunga at safety. They are packed with talent. Um, I think they're going to go over that 13 and a half. Unless they get hurt. I think the 49ers are the deepest, most talented roster in the entire NFL. And if they stay healthy, I think they're going to roll. I have them at number one. Dallas at number two. The difference, Dallas has been probably a little bit more impressive. But the 49ers always beat the Cowboys. They always beat the Cowboys. They knocked them out of the playoffs the last two years. Once in San Francisco. Once in Dallas. Um, I believe when they play each other, the difference is Dak Prescott. Scott cannot carry the Cowboys. Brock Purdy doesn't have to. I believe San Fran's overall roster is stronger than Dallas, but Dallas is two. Philly is three. I think the difference between Philly last year and this year, defensively, they're not quite as strong yet. They had a lot of these young guys that they have to incorporate, um, but they're not quite as they, they, they were blowing out the Vikings. They let them all the way back. They gave up 28 points there. They let the Patriots back. Uh, offensively, they seem to be doing well, although there was some internal strife between A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. I still think they're they're number three. I like the Ravens at four, surprisingly. I did not expect them to beat the Bengals, but I got to give them credit. I think a home win against the Texans, ho-hum. A road win against the Bengals with two of your offensive linemen out, two of your, your defensive backs out, and to beat the Bengals was a, an impressive one for me. I have them at four. And then Kansas City, I have at number five. They did lose to Detroit, but they did that without Chris Jones, and they did do that without... Travis Kelsey, but a big victory today at Jacksonville. So my only difference is I have the San Francisco 49ers at one. You have Miami in there at number two. I like Miami. I just... Um 
I love Tua. I just don't trust him yet. So for now, uh, I'll, I'll keep them out. I would have Miami at, at probably six, um, but that's mine. So I have 49ers, Cowboys, Philly, Ravens, Kansas City. Ernie has Cowboys, Dolphins, Ravens, Kansas City, and Philly. Again, the only difference between he and I, he has the Dolphins. I have the 49ers. Slightly different order for all the teams, but I think we agree on four out of our five teams. So not so bad. Now, the other thing that I think most of you wait on is our picks. So in week one, um, we both went one and one. In week two, we put this out on social media because we didn't have a meeting. So Ernie had uh, the Lions minus four and a half over Seattle. That one went down. And then Atlanta minus one and a half over Green Bay. He loses that one by a half. I had San Francisco minus seven. That ended up pushing, which I was very happy about. So all those of you that bet on San Francisco suffer because we kicked the field goal at the end. <laughs> never, never seen that. <laughs> Just to cover the spread. And then I have the Steelers plus two and a half tomorrow night. The bonus picks that we put out was the Bills minus eight over the Raiders. That was an easy victory. And then the Bengals minus three. That was a loss. So on the bonus side, one and one. Ernie's 0 and two. I so far am 0 one. I'm 0 and one heading into the Steeler game, but I think they're going to do it for us tomorrow. Better. So if Better. you've lost anything so far, double down tomorrow night and <laughs> shoot, it, shoot it with the Steelers. So again, we're going to do week three picks now, but again, please tune in to us on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter later in the week because it's awfully difficult to one week out based on the lines that we're seeing right now to predict what we're going to do next week, but we're going to give it our best shot. So Ernie, your early look, two picks for week three. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Washington Commanders at home being the home dog minus six and a half points against the Bills. The Bills today had an easy pick. I wouldn't say it was an easy If you only saw the final score of the Bills-Raiders game, you would think, oh wow, what a shellacking that the Raiders took. Yeah, they, they did. But if you watch that first half, all the way until that uh, that score that made it 21 to 10, I mean, it was a pretty even game. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the early interception, the uh, the second half really dictated the rest of the game, and I think that uh, that uh, Buffalo crowd really rolled the momentum for them to have that final score the way it did. I don't think that that score was indicative of the two, the matchups uh, against the Raiders and the Bills, and the Commanders today they just they just showed they showed heart. I mean, just the way that they uh, they. They came back and everything like that. Uh, that duo of Montez Sweat and Chase Young is for real. I think they give and Josh, Jonathan Allen. Yeah, I, I think they give Josh Allen all you know a, a hard time. Uh, Bills may win, but I don't think it's going to be by six and a half. So the Commanders plus six and a half at home, and your other pick? My. Uh, Ravens. Oh, that's right. The Ra- I lo- like I said, I love the Ravens. That's why they're my number two pick. And mind you, even though I was 0-2, hey, there was a streak last year that I, I think I had went five, five weeks in a row with them. Yeah. So my, my two picks last week, just to shit save my face because I'm 1-3 to start off. Ah, the Detroit Lions, not the Detroit Lions, <laughs> but the Bichon 
didn't make a first down, which I believe if he made a first down, they probably would have scored a touchdown, would have covered the spread. And I think the Detroit, I was happy when the Detroit Lions missed the field goal because they went in overtime. I thought they could score the touchdown. They could have won the game in overtime. That would be, they would have come to So, uh, matter of inches. It's a game of inches that I was 0-2 this week, but it is what it is. Yep. But I like, the, my, in my second game, I like the Rays. I, like I just like the way that they play over the last couple of weeks. And then you had Arnie Richardson for the Colts went out with a concussion. I would guess that they're going to be precautionary yeah. with him and keep him out next week. So. Yeah, and, and they played they played the, the Texans, and the Texans, the way they look this week, I mean, at one point, it was a game. It was a game between those two, and the Ravens killed the Texans. So I got a, I got a feeling that the, between the Colts and the Texans, there's not really much that much difference, and I think the Ravens are just the Ravens, so therefore I think the Ravens. Ravens minus the eight. So Ravens minus the eight over the Colts, Washington plus six and a half over Buffalo. And again, gang, this is our early look picks. Things can happen, lines can move, people can get hurt during practice. We will update this later in the week. Um, for me, I'm going with big spreads. I am a believer in the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a believer in the Arizona Cardinals. And Dallas's defense is just smelling blood right now. I believe that they, they're going to go to Arizona, and Arizona will be lucky to score 10 points like the other teams that they played. Uh, and I think Dallas will score 24 or more easily. I like Dallas to win this probably by 17 to 21 points. They are in lane 12 and a half. That is a big number, but I'm going to go Dallas lane that big number, and I'm going to go Jacksonville. They're going to bounce back from a tough loss to the Chiefs today at home. They're going to beat the Texans next week. They are lane nine and a half. I believe Jacksonville rebounds, destroys the Houston Texans next week by two to three touchdowns. I'm, t- I'm taking two big spreads, Ernie, like which, is, which is scary. Like um, but between us, we have three fairly big spreads and one dog. So early look, Monty has Dallas laying the wood, Jacksonville laying the wood, Ernie has Ravens laying the wood, and Washington taking the points. Again, we are getting adjusted. We are working our way towards the game of the century, which is coming up in a little bit. <laughs> so give us some time to get our feel. Uh, but again, I believe in the in the Steelers tomorrow, and if the Steelers don't cover that two and a half, then I will just never bet on them ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to double down with you on that Jacksonville. Right? Jacksonville today, four times in the red zone, only produced nine points, and it was by inches. On, on, on all of them, I think. They could easily have 28 points today and, and uh, won that game uh, against the Chiefs of all, of all people. So I think, I don't think the Texans have any chance unless the, the Jaguars uh, turn over the ball. And those are the big things. On these big spreads, uh, you can have 21 point leads, they put in the reserves, at the end they backdoor their way into covering the spread. I think that's the only way you lose these two games. I really like your picks. Now, I'm going to give you one bonus pick right now because it's the Thursday night game. The San Francisco 49ers are getting 10 to the Giants. Another ginormous spread. I am going to lay the 10 points with the 49ers. I think the Giants without Saquon 
Barkley, the way they carried him off the field, there's no way he plays three days later on Thursday. I think without Saquon Barkley, they are going to tee off on Daniel Jones, and I don't believe that they're going to be able to, to stop the 49ers. I like the 49ers to win that game by three touchdowns at least. I think it's going to be a blowout on Thursday night. After some really competitive games, I just don't see how the Giants can compete with the 49ers on a short week without Saquon Barkley at San Francisco, their first home game of the year. I like the 49ers to lay the wood there as a bonus pick. So I'm going to transition now into my closing thought. And for my closing thought, I'm going to go into the world of NCAA football. We haven't talked a lot about NCAA football so far. One thing that I want to touch on, the Miami Hurricanes 3-0, ranked 20. They are back. But that's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk about a man named Dion Primetime Sanders. What he is doing at Colorado is remarkable. And I'm not just talking about the fact that they're now 3-0. I believe they're ranked 18. A great comeback win last night in a situation where they were 23-point favorites, but they found themselves down 11 in the fourth quarter, found a way to tie it. Uh, and then winning in overtime with Shadur Sanders ending up with four touchdowns. They may not have, they may not have, should have won that game, but they found a way to win. Right. But it has nothing to do with wins and losses because I think by the end of the season, the attrition that Colorado is going to start to feel with a roster of only 55 football players um, is go is going to be hard to to maintain. But the excitement level that primetime is bringing to Boulder is remarkable. Ernie, I saw a statistic that the average price of a Laker game is $400 plus. The average price of a Colorado Buffalo ticket for the rest of this season is $541 a ticket. This for a team that won one, one game. game last one year. Game. It was a circus last night. If you guys watched the game on ESPN, there was so much excitement, but it was a circus. You had Offset. You had Lil Wayne singing the team out. The Rock was on the sideline. It is like a, a who's who of celebrities all there in Colorado, all with this extreme excitement surrounding the Colorado Buffaloes. Who in the world would have thought that Colorado would be the center of the college football universe so far. Georgia's number one, Michigan's number two, Texas is number three, Florida State is number four. But if I had asked you who the top four teams were, could you have named that? No. But you could have told me that the Buffaloes were 3-0, and oh, and everybody is only talking about them. Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp, there for last week's game, there for this week's game. ESPN Day Crew, live at Colorado. Pat McAfee Show and First Tape, live at Colorado on Friday. It is remarkable the amount of excitement and how the Colorado Buffaloes, Boulder, Colorado, has become the center of the college football universe just because of the excitement of prime time. And it is 
remarkable. I mean, I'm not necessarily cheering for them because Dion is recruiting the same players Miami's recruiting, so I would like them to lose. But I have mad respect for Primetime, who is my favorite cornerback of all time. What he's doing, recruiting, coaching, loving these kids, letting these kids believe in what they're trying to do, and the success that's being generated is remarkable. Hats off to Primetime. I agree with you. I mean, if anything, he might not be the best coach out there, but as far as a motivational coach, uh, he's got to be up there. I mean, his background, I mean, he's, an, he's an ordained minister, so he's used to preaching. So all he has to do is, if he gets the right players in there, make them believe that they can win, that's all you need. Belief is half of it. If you can, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the confidence to produce out there, it's not going to happen. You could have, you could, have, you could have half the talent, and if you believe, that's all you need is a belief out there. Good things can happen. Yeah, and, and you know what was really impressive about him last night? There were two instances that I thought that really captivated me because I watched that entire game last night until the very end. And I was bouncing between Kahuku and, and the Colorado game because they were playing at the same time. But there was, a, there was a situation where one of their wide receivers dropped the ball and he pulled him on the side and he talked to him in a very calm manner, got his attention, and hugged him at the end of his scolding to tell him, I believe in you. That's the guy that scores the touchdown at the end of the game to send it into overtime. Uh, and then just watching how calm he was. Even down 28-17, he was never animated. He was calm. He was just like, I believe that this is going to happen. We're going to take care of our business. It was, uh, it, it, it's remarkable. Dion has been a substantially better coach than I could have imagined that he would be because oftentimes great players are not great coaches because they have different sets of expectations. But I think his ordained minister side, his nurturing side is a little bit more different. And I think that's where he's getting the success. But no one can deny Right now, the biggest story in all of college football is not Georgia going for a 3 P. It's Colorado at 3-0, headed next week to Oregon in what will be the big game of next weekend. And then the following week, it's USC, Shadir Sanders against Caleb Williams. For the next two weeks, Colorado is still going to be the center of the college football universe. Yeah, you'll win or lose. And, and to be honest, I think it's going to be lost in both games. But still, the fact of the matter is, this wouldn't even, this wouldn't even come to, fru to fruition if Deion Sanders wasn't there. And like you said, not the best X and O's guys, but where it comes from, a motivational side, I think that's where it really set up. Kind of reminds me of Mike Tomlin. I don't think Mike Tomlin is the best, uh, you know, X and O guy, but where he really gets through to his players is from the communication standpoint, and, you know, that's where the success comes from. So, you know, I expect big things from uh, Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes from this point, as long as, long as this marriage continues or wherever Dion may go. I think he's a positive uh, influence to college football, football in general. Oh, absolutely. Definitely, I agree with that. So, gang, it was a lot of football. The depressing news, the University of Hawaii's 55-10 to 10 drubbing at Oregon. I don't think anyone Don't is off. really disappointed about that. They're one in three. They come home big, big game against New Mexico State Aggies this week. We got to pack the house there, and we got to cheer on our Warriors to get their second win of the year. But the Kahuku victory last night stands out as the biggest. 
biggest sports story in Hawaii, I think, in the last few weeks because they knock off the defending national champion St. John Bosco 30-23, laying claim to being one of the national powers that can compete on a national scale, which is amazing for a local public school. And in the NFL, Ernie Steelers tonight will go to look to even their record at one and one. We both believe they're going to do so again. We cannot recommend enough. Actually, don't 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 double down. Just be cautious. Just be cautious. Be yeah, be cautious. I'm 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 cautious, cautiously optimistic, but. I'm crossing my fingers, guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm very impressed so far with my Los Angeles Rams. I think they've done much better than I could have even imagined them. I think defensively, they've held up fairly well. Offensively, their offensive line is playing like they were two years ago. If they can continue to do that, Matthew Stafford looks great. The young players look great. I'm thrilled with that. We gave you our top five teams. We're interested to know who's your top five after two weeks. Do you agree with us? I'm guessing you probably have your own opinion. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Ask us any questions. We'd love to dialogue with you. Ernie, anything else that you want to cover? I'm good. Again, congratulations to the Dodgers. Ten-time National League West champions. And until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.